morning. It's good to see you here this morning. We're in the middle, we're actually smack dab in the middle of a series on uh, faith and how faith applies to everyday life. In, in the scripture, faith is a, is a very specific thing. There's a definition that we can understand, we can begin to get a grip on what it is. In our culture, faith, I believe, sometimes is seen as a psychological key that you use to open doors to a world of success, comfort, convenience. It's, it's, you know, we're, we're, we're admonished to believe and uh, don't always know what that means. But the idea I get as I watch some of the movies, some of the stuff in the media, things on TV, is that it's, it's the belief itself that helps you bust through the door to get what you want. And that's, that's not the faith of the Scripture. It's not. In the Bible, faith is not a psychological key that opens up doors for you in those ways. It's a very practical way of life. Very practical way of living. And we talked a couple weeks ago when we started the series, uh, we looked at the two sides of faith. There's a front side of faith, like a coin, has a front side and uh, a back side, but the front side of the faith is, is what Scripture calls fear of the Lord. Knowing that God, really fear of the Lord is knowing that God is watching. He's paying attention to what's going on in my life, watching the details, how I handle things. And since we know God is watching, we take him seriously and we choose to handle the situation right in front of us in a way that would please him. If you fear God, that's what the Bible means by fearing God, that as the flow of life comes by you, situation by situation, circumstance by circumstance, I'm choosing to try to figure out what God wants here. What, what is it that he wants for me? How does he want me to handle this? And then out of reverence for him, which is really what that means, fear of the Lord, out of reverence for him, I do life the way that he wants me to. That, that's the front side of faith. The other side of faith is trusting God to come through when I handle life the way he told me to do that. The way he told me to handle things, the way he's commanded us to handle things. We, we do that, and then the other side of faith is trusting him to come through with what he's promised in those situations. We looked at Hebrews 11.6. It's not in your listening guide or your outline. It's not going to be on the screen. But it says, um, without faith... It's impossible to please God because everyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Those are the two sides, the two sides of faith. You, you believe that God exists, that he's involved in what's going on in the universe and in the world and in your life. And then you believe that he's going to reward as you live your life before him. Realizing that he's watching. The thing about God, he's, he's given us the scripture. We get into the Bible and we find some things that he's built into the way life works. And he's built these principles in, we call them laws or principles, like the law of gravity is a, a, a law in our world that we either live with or we, if we try to defy it without 
anything helping us defy it, we're in trouble. You know, we need a parachute, but you know, I can't just suspend the law of gravity. I have to live respecting it. Well, he's built some things into life that we either get in line with or we break ourselves against them. And, and you don't see these things necessarily naturally. Um, it's kind of like, have you ever seen anybody run into a sliding glass door? It was so clean, you know, that they couldn't tell it was there. And they just, Oof! and they get a, a knot on their head or a couple bruises on their body from running into the door. Well, that's, that's what happens with these principles. We, we don't see them, and naturally we don't buy into them. But they're operating in the world, and we can slam into them and hurt ourselves against them if we don't understand what's going on. Today we're, we're going to look at the fact that God has chosen to work through authority. Now, you might, you know, when you use the word authority, it, sometimes it feels like taking medicine, you know, like a nasty dose of cough medicine or something that really tastes horrible. But authority, and in God's mind and plan, and in the order that he set up, is really meant to bless the people under it. Job 25.2 says this, says, Dominion and awe belong to God. He, establish, he establishes order in the heights of heaven. Dominion is the right and the power to rule. That belongs to God. He created the universe. He made everything in it. And he has the right to rule that universe that he's made. And we tend to think, as we think about God's rule of the universe... We tend to think that he's in charge of certain departments of our lives. You know, there's a religious department and maybe a couple others that he's slightly related to. But there are other departments of our lives that God's not involved in. But the, the fact is, as you get into Scripture, you find out that he is in charge of everything that play, takes place in his universe. In this world that he's made, in your life and mine, he, he is completely in control of what's going on. This includes governments, our homes, our workplace, the schools we attend. God, God is paying attention to what's going on. And he set up an order to things. And I don't know, I'm, I'm a child of the 60s and 70s. I grew up in the 60s and 70s. And, you know, order was not high on our list of values in those days. It's not something that you know, just kind of a revolt against the establishment in those days. But one thing I learned by coaching a girls' soccer team, to accomplish anything, you need order. You know, we started out coaching a group of four- and five-year-olds. There's no order. They're running around in a bunch, you know, like this. But then after a while... As they mature, the other teams are starting to put order to things. They're, they're giving people positions. There's some defenders. There's some in the middle that go both sides of the field, and there's some in the front that are trying to score. And if you don't figure out the order of things, your team will never score. They're in a bunch chasing the ball all over the place. There's nothing happening there. You, you See, God has established order in the heights of the heavens, 
because he wants some things done so that we can find his blessing and so that the people under the authority he's established will be blessed. So he, he has established this order across the, all the arenas in our lives. He establishes it to, to do what he wants to do. He, he runs the universe through the order that he sets up. So this is, this is one of the principles, one of the laws that is there in life that we need to figure out in order to, to find the, the life that God really wants us to live. We're going to look at Romans 13 primarily this morning, uh, the first few verses. And we learn in the first couple verses of Romans 13 some important things about authority. First of all, God has established authority. Romans 13.1 says, Everyone must submit himself to the governing authorities. This is speaking about the speaking of uh, government. For there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Now, this is written in to, to Romans. You know, the, the emperors of Rome were really despicable people. And so... You would think, God established that authority? Really? If you remember, I think it was last week or the week before, we looked at a verse in Proverbs that said, God uses the wicked for his, his own purposes. Even the wicked he uses for his purposes. He, yes, God has established the authorities that exist. Um, if, if they're legitimate. He's put them there. And, and we, need, we need order and authority. Just imagine trying to drive around downtown L.A. without traffic lights. We need the order there. We need order in life. Or really, imagine driving around downtown L.A. without policemen to enforce the traffic laws. Okay? The traffic lights would just be suggestions if we didn't think we'd get pulled over by someone if we blew through one of them. So imagine that. We, we need authority because authority maintains order and allows us to move around in the direction that we need to go. That's God's intent with it. Uh, there's a romantic idea, though, that the best relationships don't have any structure to them. That's actually the idea I'd prefer to buy into. It just doesn't work. You know, we meet and we we fall in love and we get married. And just the whole romance of the thing carries us through the rest of life enjoying one another. Works for a couple of weeks. Okay, then, then you know, you've got to get on with life. You've got to keep moving on. And you realize there's got to be something some kind of order that we put to this thing to make it work. The truth is that the order flows out of an established authority that God has set up. And as, as, you, as you decide to follow God, you, you find his blessing as you live in line with the things that he's set up, the way he's made life to work. And, and you have the freedom not to. You have the freedom to live God, God made you that way because he wanted a real relationship with you. So he made you with the ability to choose whether or not you did life his way. And um, 
The problem is, as you do life his way, you keep running into sliding glass doors, getting the bruises from it. Uh, but anyway, this, this authority, this order, this structure, it's true for governments, it's true in homes, it, it's true uh, in churches. Families need order. We have a romantic idea of family life, but we really need some order and structure to it. And churches need it as well. Uh, Romans goes on to point out a couple things about authority. First of all, rebelling against it brings judgment. Romans 13, 2-3 says, Consequently, he who rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted, and those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers hold no terror for those who do right. I was pulled over in Arizona on this last trip to Texas on the way there. And my wife and daughter, hey, what'd you do? What's going on? <laughs> you know, the, the lights and I'm slowing down and pulling over. And I wasn't, I wasn't terrified because I wasn't speeding. Now, I have been pulled over when I was a little more concerned about how much this is going to cost me. But I said, I don't know. I, was, I wasn't nervous or terrified. I was, I was puzzled. And I had a headlight out. That's why he pulled me over, to let me know that. So I appreciated that. He was looking out for me. Um, and that's what this is talking about. F- rulers hold no terror for those who do right, but for those who do wrong. Do you want to be free from the fear of the one in authority? Then do what is right, and he will commend you. Uh, God, basically, what this is saying, it's pretty clear. This is the front side of faith. You realize God is watching. He's working through the authority over you. And you try to help them accomplish the purpose they're trying to accomplish, if it's a good one, if it's, if it's legitimate, if it's right. You try to help them accomplish the purpose for which God put them in authority. You try to do that. If you don't, God will bring judgment on you. Many times we don't just flat out rebel, but we grumble, we murmur. We complain. We, we drag our feet. And this, this creates a lot of, we, we don't maybe out and out rebel, but we maybe say some things out of the side of our mouth to the people next to us who are part of the same, the same group. And, and that causes a lot of friction and tension. And, and God takes that seriously. He, he doesn't want us to do that. The, the front side of faith is realizing God's paying attention to all this. He's watching the way I respond, the way I handle authority, the way I follow. You don't want to follow blindly. You want to be creative in your following. You want to follow intelligently, not mechanically and mindlessly. But you still want to pull for the leaders over you. You want to pull for them. You want to find out what they're asking you to do and actually carry it out. And usually our problem, there, there are some boundaries. There's a range. As God's given authority in each situation, there's a boundary. There's a range to the authority. And if authority busts through their range of authority, you don't have to follow them. Or if they command you to do something that violates Scripture, something God's already said in Scripture, you, you don't follow them. That's usually not our problem. Our problem is we just don't like their idea. Or... We could have come up, if they would have consulted us, we could have had a, a much better plan in place. Or, or whatever it is. We, we, we struggle that way more than, than with the 
you know, illegitimate authority taking place. Something we need to know and realize that flows out of this passage we looked at, uh, because in, in our country we have the freedom to move from job to job, from church to church, and in, in our country people exercise the freedom to move from marriage to marriage. But something you have to realize is that some of the bruises that you're experiencing in life and the knots that you get on your head are because you're not following well the authority over you, the leaders that God's put in your life. This is one of those principles he's woven into life. And there's a warning here. If, if you're rebellious and, and you move in rebellion from one place to another, then you're going to find yourself on the merry-go-round of rebellion. Because God is in charge of the universe, and what happens is he keeps circling you back to the place where you're going to learn what he's trying to teach you. This, this happens if you're one of his children. He, he's, he's doing this. He, he's trying to train you and show you how to grow through this. Um, if you're not, you're still going to be bumping against these principles. You haven't yet decided to follow him. But you get on that merry-go-round where you keep, God's going to keep same, different scenery, different faces. You know, you're in a different physical location. Uh-oh, same lesson. I've got to learn this so I can move on. Romans goes on to say that each authority is God's servant to do good. God's given the authority for a purpose. And he wants the leaders of of that arena to work toward that purpose. Verse 4 and 5 says, For he is God's servant, the authority, to do you good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword for nothing. He is God's servant and agent of wrath to bring punishment on the wrongdoer. Therefore, it is necessary to submit to authorities, not only because of possible punishment, but also because of conscience. So we know it's right. That's what it's saying. We know it's right to follow leaders. But boy, there's something in our hearts that wants to speak out of the side of our mouth. We want to grumble. We want to complain. We want to drag our feet. We don't want to follow. Um, When God gives someone an authority, or when he gives authority to someone, he gives that leader responsibility to fill a purpose in the arena in which they, they lead. And then he holds them accountable to do that. And God is working. The Bible peels back the curtain of history and lets us see behind the scenes a couple times. Read Daniel 4 if you get a chance. You find out God taught uh, the king of the Babylonian Empire a lesson about his sovereignty because he got proud. And, and you, see, you see that God, even in, the, the scriptures say that God judges the nations. And he is, he is busy doing that. We, don't, we aren't able to see what God's thinking, what's on his mind, how he's executing things uh, and working through the order he's placed in, in, in place. But, but we get to see it there in Daniel 4. So check that out sometime if you can. It says God raised Pharaoh up in Egypt as a king of Egypt for his own purpose. And he does that. He puts, he puts people in leadership for a reason. 
He gives authority to fulfill a purpose. He establishes order so that we can move toward the right things. And here's just a brief overview in your outline, in your listening guide. In the area of government, uh, the purpose for the leadership is to do the citizens good, to maintain order and justice. They have a range of authority, a boundary. They're, they're only to oversee matters of law and order, not matters of the home or the church. What are you talking about? Big brother. You know, we're, we're, you know, big brothers watching everything we do. We don't like that. That's not right. That's not what government's supposed to be doing. But we, as citizens, as people, we're to submit to the leaders. In the church, the members are to follow the leaders. As the leaders set out to make disciples out of those who don't believe and help church members grow in Christ's likeness. The leaders of the church have a range of authority, no command. There's no command over personal life or decisions. That's called a cult. If a, a leader of a religious group tries to take authority in an area of your life that they don't have authority over, that's very dangerous. But the leaders of the church are assigned by God to fulfill a purpose, that we might bless the members as we head toward God's purpose for our church that he set up. In the home, there's an order that you find in Scripture. Wives are to follow husbands, children are to obey parents. Um, the purpose for the leadership in the home is that uh, in the marriage, that we'd be companions in doing God's will on the earth. And that as parents, we would raise godly offspring. This is God's assignment. And we as parents really bless our kids when we teach them to obey. really helps them because this, again, is one of those laws that's built into life. They're going to have to learn to work under authority. Everybody is held accountable and under authority. As you live life. So it's important as we're parenting our kids for them to learn that. One, one year my son uh, was on a serious baseball team when he was 13. And he had a coach that honestly it was really hard to watch him coach. Because he's very sarcastic, demeaning. He would embarrass the guys. And we left, a lot of the parents were pulling their kids, moving them on to other things. We left that on that team. Because I wanted, I knew God, God had put him there. I wanted him to learn how to operate and handle that kind of leadership. Because there was a lesson in it for him. Now, was it fun for him? Not, not, some of the time maybe, yeah. Not all the time. Was it fun for me? Did I want to go strangle the coach a couple times? Yes, I did. (laughs) I did not. I am not in jail. (laughs) But, that if, if we can train our children to learn how to operate, it starts in the home. The order, God's put up a, an order in the home. If we, can, if we can train them that way, then boy, what a blessing as they go to work, as they, as they operate in any arena in life, they're going to need to follow and learn to, to operate under authority. Anyway, God holds these leaders accountable to fulfill his purpose for them. Um, when you're the head of something, sometimes if, if you're in an organization or a group, you want to be, you want the privilege of the people at the top. But what that means to be at the top, to be the head of something, it means you're the closest to God. And he's going to come looking for you with what's wrong 
with that group or that family or that organization. If you're a husband and you're the head of the home, that means God holds you responsible. You can't blame any, anybody else. We need men to step up. We need men who will step up, take that responsibility, and lead their family in a way that will bless them. And, and that's what God holds us accountable to do. What we want to do is we want to rate our leaders. And if they get a passing grade, then we'll follow them. Well, you know, they're, they're, just, they're just a 6 out of 10. It's a D. I don't think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do what they're saying. I would have said it like this, or I'd have done this, or I'd have come up with a better plan. As soon as they hit about 70%, I'm going to follow. We, we want to rate them and decide if we're going to follow or not. Faith shows up like this. God's put these people here. They're over me. And I'm going to trust him to work through them. I'm going to follow to the best of my ability. I'm not going to break any laws. I'm not going to dishonor God. I'm not going to break through his commands. But I'm going to try my best to make it a joy for even the leaders I disagree with, even if they don't come up with a plan I think is going to work. I'm going to make it good for them. There's a verse, Hebrews 13, 17. It says, make it a joy for your leaders, not a burden, because making it a burden would be no advantage to you. The word burden means sigh. And here's the picture. You're leading a group. Somebody in that group comes to you, and every, as you see them walking toward you, you've had several experiences relating to them in the past. And you see them coming, and you go, <sighs> you have to take a deep breath, because they are a pain and a burden and a drag on whatever it is you're trying to lead. You're trying to fulfill the purpose, and they're a they're an anchor as you're trying to move forward. Don't do that. God, God's purpose isn't fulfilled. If it isn't fulfilled, then we all miss the blessing of that. So let's look at how to handle living under authority with faith. How do we choose faith under authority? First of all, pray for your leaders. 1 Timothy 2, 1 through 4 says, I urge then... First of all, that request, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for everyone, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good, and it pleases God our Savior, who wants all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. We're commanded to pray for government leaders and and everyone in authority over our lives. If you haven't been doing that, I encourage you to to pray for those over you. Because if they're successful at fulfilling the purpose God has assigned to them, everybody's blessed. If, If President Obama is able to lead us out of this recession slash whatever it's going to head up, head, head toward being economically, we're all going to be blessed by that. We need to pray for him that he can figure it out. We, 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 you see, if you're a part of a group and that group has a leader, if they fulfill the purpose God handed them, then you're blessed. It's no advantage to make it a pain for them and a burden. So pray for them. Secondly, cast all your anxiety on the Lord. First Peter 5, 5-7 through 7 
It makes us nervous to be under authority. It makes me nervous. I'm sure it makes you nervous. So what do we do with that? It says, uh, young men, in the same way, be submissive to those who are older. All of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another because God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. When you need to submit, follow authority, it makes you nervous. Create anxiety. Give it to God. God, I'm going to trust you to be at work. Even through this leader, I'm going to trust you. Uh, put your faith in God and follow the leader. What we usually want to do is we don't want to follow until we can trust the leader completely. That's not, that's not what you find in Scripture. You follow, you trust God, and you follow your leader as uh, you trust God to work through that authority in your life. Taking your place under authority reduces a lot of tension and stress in things. It, it, just, it just takes a lot of it out. Third thing you can do to live by faith is use your leadership to do good. And to use your leadership to do good means you have to, if you're the head of something, if you're over a business or you're in government, you, you have to lay aside your personal rights and privileges and focus on the purpose for that group. If you're the head of a family, you have to do this. If you're going to do it right. Sacrifice is always a part of good leadership. And so that requires faith. Who, who's going to take care of me? If I keep sacrificing to figure this out and try to make good plans and good decisions, and who's going to watch out for me? Well, this is written to church leaders. It says, be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, serving as overseers, not because you must, but because you're willing as God wants you to be, not greedy for money, but eager to serve, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. You do it because the other side of faith. The front side is you do life the way God wants you to. The other side is you trust him to come through. And he will reward that. Fourthly, follow leadership wholeheartedly. Colossians 3 says, Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything. And do it not only when their eye is on you and to win their favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. We don't have slavery anymore, obviously. But but this applies to work situations. It applies to clarity of heart and reverence for the Lord. We don't carrying out the goals of the leadership over you. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart, as working for the Lord, not for men, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, the other side of faith. I'm going to work because God, I, if I'm a person who's committed my life to follow Christ, I bear the name of Christ, I'm a Christian, then the work I'm doing reflects on him. And I want to work expecting him to bring the reward that he honors. I want to, I want to do what I can to help this business be successful. I'm going to help our home run well. I'm, I'm, going, to, I'm going to do my part to make this work. The key question, can I trust God or will I trust God to, to lead through the people he's placed over me in my life? Even the turkeys. 
Will he lead? Yes, he will. He will lead. I can trust him. There's some steps you could take as a result of hearing this uh, message this morning, if you'd like. If you'd like to let us know, you might want to check that you're going to take one on your own outline and then let us know on the connection card, drop it in the offering in a little bit. Um, it's on the back of your outline and on the connection card. My step, my next step today is to memorize 1 Peter 5, 7. It makes us nervous, creates anxiety to be under authority. Is the boss going to see that I'm working hard? Cast all your anxiety on God. He cares for you. He's in charge. He's paying attention. Trust me, he's watching. Um, you may want to memorize that. Just remind yourself to trust God as you follow leadership over you. Uh, maybe you want to begin or continue to pray for your leaders in, in the different arenas of life. If you haven't been doing that, that's a crucial thing to do. Uh, third step you could take is just to grow your understanding of God's will in an area of leadership that you have. If you have responsibility, what, is, what does God want? As a parent, how does God want me to parent? As, as a boss, what does he expect from me? What does he want me to, to lead toward? How does he want me to relate to those under me? How does he want me to work? Um, and then finally, I'm going to choose to follow my leaders in faith. Haven't been doing that so good, maybe. But I'm going to choose to ask God to give me the, the help to do that. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the truth that you have given us and for the way that you run the universe and your graciousness and kindness in allowing us to figure out life and what it means to know you and follow you, your patience when we rebel. God, um, thank you for cluing us in to those things we don't see that we keep running into. And I pray that, Lord, you'd, you'd give us humility to take our place in each circumstance and arena and situation so that we could do our part in helping things move forward to accomplish your will and purpose in the earth. God, we ask for your help and power to do this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.